Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Have you considered all the various difficulties that Jesus went through and endured on your behalf? Have you considered that he did this out of his complete love for you? Let's open now to Luke 22 and see what the Lord has for us. Good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. I hope everyone had a had a wonderful Thanksgiving and that uh, and that everyone took time to to really contemplate and give thanks to thanks to Jesus just for all the incredible blessings and really in, in all of our lives, beginning with the blessing of our of our sins being forgiven. And that's such a uh, that is something to be thankful for that uh, that I don't think we really understand or, or really comprehend as we ought to. Um, and the good news is that even if you didn't spend yesterday uh, being thankful, you can do it today, you can do it tomorrow, and we can do it all the days of our life. Because Thanksgiving is is a day that uh, that should be every day, that we, we give thanks to God our Father, to God the Son, Jesus, and thanks to the Holy Spirit. Remember, we want to be thankful to, to all of the Trinity. Um, oftentimes, uh, many of us will, will, will be thankful and praise the Father, we'll praise the Son, we'll be thankful to Jesus, we'll, we'll talk to our Father, we'll talk to Jesus, but oftentimes we, we leave the Holy Spirit out, and the Holy Spirit is is full-blown God. The Holy Spirit is, uh, the scriptures say that the Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Um, and so Holy Spirit, we do thank you for your, your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for guiding us. We thank you for comforting us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for living in us. Um, Holy Spirit, we just love you and we bless you and we thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Today we're gonna we're gonna finish up uh, where we left off uh, last time. Uh, ought to be a little bit quicker today. It's gonna be Luke twenty-two verses forty-seven to fifty-three, where Jesus is in the the Garden of Gethsemane. He just got through praying. Um, it says he prayed earnestly, um, and we talked about the need for us to pray earnestly, particularly when we're we're in difficult times and situations. Um, he exhorted the, the disciples to pray uh, that they wouldn't fall into temptation, and, and they, they were just exhausted, and they fell asleep. And he ends up by telling them to, uh, again, to get up and pray so that they don't fall into temptation, and that's verse 46. So we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll read it, and then we'll, uh, we'll get rolling. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We do thank you, Lord, that we have, uh, we're celebrating Thanksgiving yesterday and, and really throughout the week, Lord, as we're still eating you know, leftovers from the Thanksgiving holiday. Father, we just thank you for all the incredible blessings and mercies and favor and goodness on every aspect of our lives. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. 
Holy Spirit, we ask you now to, to, to open our hearts, give us eyes that see and ears that hear. We ask you to open the word of God to us right now as we study your word in Luke chapter 22. Jesus, we love you and we bless you and we commit this time into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Verse 47. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, verse 47. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. Verse 48, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Judas had, we're told in the scriptures, that, that Judas had gone to the religious leaders to find out what they would give him if he were to betray Jesus, and they gave him 30 pieces of silver, the scripture says. And now is the time that they're going to arrest Jesus. They're arresting Jesus on false charges. They're arresting him because they're jealous of him. They're arresting Jesus because they're fearful that people will be running after Jesus instead of them. You see, it says who is going to get him. It says that it says that it was the, uh, then Jesus said to the chief priests, verse 52, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come from him. So it's all the big religious leaders that are, that are, that are jealous of Jesus. And, um, this spirit of, this spirit of jealousy, believe it or not, is still alive in our, in our churches today. It, it doesn't express itself in this same way. But still, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to, to religion, the enemy, the devil really can get, you know, a stronghold in our, you know, in our souls. And, and this kind of, of, of desire for control in our churches is just, uh, is just tremendous. And it, and it really does wreak havoc and, uh, and cause so much damage. And it's something we really have to look out for. And, and really look into our own hearts. You know, it's, it's something where, you know, when you read through the scriptures and you look at how all the religious leaders, all the pastors and elders and teachers of Jesus's day, when you look at how they treated him, you know, the vast majority of him, you know, didn't treat him very well. And of course, when we look at ourselves, we would think, well, well, I would never do that. I would love Jesus. But yet, and, and, and we'll have to do a podcast on this at some point. When you look at, when we look inside ourselves, 
we can see some of the qualities, some of the poor qualities in the chief priests, in the officers of the temple guard, and in the elders. These are all people who believe in God and, and who believe they're walking with God, and yet they really don't have any heart for Jesus Christ at all. Um, they, they actually here are going to arrest Jesus. He's been a thorn in their side. And like I said, it, it, it would behoove us as leaders in the church, as pastors, as priests, as teachers, as elders, to really take time and to look in our hearts. Because when we see these things in the scriptures, it's easy for us just to, to move on and overlook them and say, you know, this, this has nothing to do with me. But, you know, when we look at some of the qualities in the religious leaders of Jesus' day, you know, we can see these same qualities in the religious leaders of our day and the leaders of our churches. And if we look inside ourselves, if I look inside myself, I can see some of these things. And it's something we want to, to earnestly ask the Lord to help us with. You know, I think that we, we find ourselves as if we're above this, as if we would never, ever be like this. And I think that, uh, that we can fool ourselves if we think that we could never behave the way that these chief priests or, or these elders did. And I think that, that these are in the scriptures to be an example for us so that we can say, Lord, I, I do ask you to show us as pastors and priests and teachers and, and elders just these areas of our lives, Lord, where we, are not, um, where we are not leading as you would have us to. We are not governing as you would have us to, or even when we are contrary to you, Lord Jesus. Um, so help us, Lord Jesus, and uh, give us eyes that see and ears that hear that we truly might repent of any areas of our lives, Lord, where, where we can act like the chief priest did to you and where we can be religious leaders and pastors and elders and teachers that are, uh, that are actually not serving you, Lord, but, but even contrary to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Um, so we see here in verse 47 that that Judas had given these people a sign that, that he would go and kiss Jesus and that they would know who Jesus was because they did not know exactly who Jesus was. So to be certain, Judas had set it up that he would, he would go up to the one and kiss the one that was Jesus. And by that, they would know who to arrest because Judas would kiss Jesus as he does here. And it's, and it's, a, uh, it's an incredible thing, the fact that we, we have this in the scriptures, that one of Jesus' disciples, Judas Iscariot, does this whole thing, and the ultimate betrayal is that he's going up to Jesus as if to be affectionate to him. He's going up to kiss him as if it's a... Um, as if it's a good thing, right? Judas is, is deceiving and pretending that he loves Jesus and that he's going up to kiss him as a loving thing when the truth is he had already set up this whole thing that this kiss would be, you know, a kiss of betrayal. And you can see here that it says he approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, 
Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? So you can see that Jesus already knew what Judas was doing. And the, 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 there's many things to be said here, but the first thing is that Jesus wasn't taken by surprise by anything. Jesus wasn't shocked by anything. Jesus willingly went through all this for you and for me. Jesus gave himself over to these horrible things and just this, just this incredible torture so that you and I could have our sins forgiven, so that we could come into relationship with God the Father as our heavenly Father, and so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could be saved, saved from our sin and go to heaven when we die. So Jesus is not taken by surprise with this. He knows what Judas is doing, and he actually asks him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And, and remember, Judas had walked with Jesus for three and a half years and pretended to be a devout disciple of Jesus. But the truth is, he, he, he never had a heart for Jesus. He never loved Jesus. You know, he was always looking out for his own concerns. But one of the things to look at here is that, that Jesus goes through this incredible betrayal. Many of us have experienced betrayal in our lives, and we have been so very hurt by different aspects of betrayal. But none of us, no one ever, 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 ever has been betrayed like Jesus was betrayed. Remember, Jesus is, is God. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is sinless. Jesus never, ever, ever, ever did anything wrong. All of us who have, you know, had times in our lives where we've been betrayed, where we've been hurt, where we have also hurt and we have betrayed people as well. And that's something we often forget. Uh, many of us are extremely hurt, um, extremely angry about, you know, all the different things that, that people have said about us and done to us or hadn't done for us. But we, we tend to easily forget that we ourselves have been the same way. We really have, all of us, but not Jesus. Jesus has never done anything wrong. He's perfect. He's been loving. He has served the kingdom of God his entire 33 years on earth. He had done nothing but, but walk in the love of God and the mercy of God. And he, and he healed people and he blessed people and he helped people and he encouraged people and he, and he spoke the word of God. And yet Jesus himself is being betrayed. And so Jesus understands when you and I are hurt, when we feel like we've been betrayed and let down, Jesus can relate is what we can see here because you know, as it turns out, how all of this worked out, all the difficult things he went through, he also is betrayed here by one of his 12 disciples, Judas Iscariot. Verse 49, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? Now, before Jesus has even a chance to answer that, for which the answer would have been no. But you look at verse 50, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. 
the one of them we know to be Simon Peter, because it says in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 18, that it was Peter who cut off his right ear. Um, and if you look at 51, but Jesus answered no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Okay. Jesus, Jesus says no more of this. He doesn't need the disciples to defend him. Okay. Jesus could have in a moment, how do I say this? Jesus could have unmade everybody there, meaning every part of their being. He could have simply unmade him. Now we see this concept. Look at, look at verse 51. But Jesus answered no more of this, and he touched the man's ear and healed him. Verse 50 just said, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. So the ear is gone. The ear is lopped off, right? Jesus now, you know, takes the ear and he affixes the ear, right? The man's ear is gone. And now Jesus takes the ear and completely makes it as good as new. So think about the power that Jesus has here. I don't know where the ear was. I don't know if he picked it up off the ground. I don't know where it came from, but imagine just think about your ear and now that's just gone and there's just this bloody disgusting side of your head with no ear on it. And then Jesus picks up the ear or, you know, he just makes another ear. It says he touched the man's ear and healed him. But all that went into that, right? All that Jesus did in that healing, all that he had to do to remake the ear to be a perfectly working ear again when it was cut off. Even today, remember, this is 2000 years ago. You're pretty stuck if your ears cut off. You can't just, you know, go into the hospital. Even if you went to the hospital today with an, an, an ear completely cut off or lopped off, it would be a difficult thing, right? Uh, no matter what happened, it wasn't going to be healed like what Jesus did here. What I'm trying to say is it's, it's like Jesus remade his ear, reaffixed it to his body so that it was perfect, the same Jesus that has the power to do that had the power to utterly destroy all of these people, all of these temple guards, all of these elders. He could have, he could have as, as easily as he made the ear get back on the high priest, he could have unmade all of them in a word. That's how powerful Jesus is, okay? The same power that he used to heal the man's ear, he could have used to utterly destroy everyone there. So the, the disciples here, uh, the 11 disciples have a heart to defend Jesus, and that's noble. They still don't know who this really is, okay? Because you see Jesus says no more of this. He sees their intention, he sees that their intention is to defend him. And although this, uh, the servant of the high priest did not have a good intention, right? This man came to arrest Jesus 
This man came to arrest Jesus on completely false charges, along with all the other chief priests and temple guard and elders who had come for him. So the man really deserved what was coming from him, but you can see the mercy that Jesus extends to him. And that is, that's another good point. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on mentioning that, but I mean, look at the mercy that Jesus shows, right? His disciples start going crazy. They believe they're going to defend their Lord and their heart is, is wonderful in doing that. Certainly he doesn't need it and he tells them no more of this. But then he, he brings order to you know a situation that got out of hand. He had, he had planned to willingly go to the cross. We just found that in the previous few verses where where you know he had determined that he was going to do his father's will which is die for the sins of the world and he was going to go willingly but yet this ruckus breaks out a servant of the high priest gets his ear cut off and jesus in his mercy although again the man got what was coming for him no one no one needed to be coming for jesus this whole mob had no business coming for jesus jesus had never done anything wrong Look what he says, um, verse 52. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Verse 53, every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. And uh, We'll talk about that, Jesus submitting himself to darkness and darkness having its time on Jesus. But it, it ultimately was defeated when Jesus was raised from the dead. All darkness was defeated. It had its time. And Jesus, and, and Jesus said these were the people that, you know, they never, they never said anything to him, right? But they, they always were looking for a reason to, to charge Jesus with wrongdoing because they, they had so much jealousy. They, they had so much envy and their hearts were so hard that they refused to receive him and believe in him. But the fact that Jesus has mercy here to these people that come out to him to take him in secret, and then they're going to bring him before the governor and produce, uh, you know, all these false charges, say all these lies against him. And, and in this ruckus, again, this man's ear gets cut off. And um, in Jesus, and I've said this before, you know, Jesus has got a lot going on right now. It just said that he was just sweating what were like drops of blood in the previous few verses. Uh, he's about to become sin. He's about to take on the sin of the entire world. He's about to have the relationship fractured with the Father and the Holy Spirit meaning God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have had intimate relationship for all eternity, but becoming sin now, that relationship is going to be fractured. You know, you remember when Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God the Father could not look on sin. And so for the first time in eternity, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit were not in perfect unity, in perfect harmony, in perfect intimacy, in perfect relationship. That incredible relationship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit was broken when Jesus became sin and then was reunited when he was resurrected from the dead. 
So with all that going on, Jesus still puts in order what happened when this ruckus broke out. You'd have thought just Jesus would have said, you know, that was your problem. You shouldn't have come here. You shouldn't have been here. He actually tells them, none of you should be here. Why are you doing this? Why are you coming for me? You know, no one said anything to me when I was speaking in the temple courts. And the reason they didn't say anything to him is because they couldn't. Everything he said was, was this tremendous revelation. He only spoke the word of God. But now they're coming out here in this just, in this, in this dark way, in this behind the scenes way, in this, uh, you know, just dirty way to take him and then to falsely accuse him. But yet he still has mercy to heal the servant of the high priest, you know, whose ear had been cut off. So again, we see these tremendous principles here um, that Jesus still cares to be a blessing to this person who really was, was just coming to be a, uh, to do him a harm. And, and, and that's not something we do very well. It's not something I do very well. You know, when people don't have a good opinion of you, when people haven't thought well of you, how well do you serve them and, and bless them, Esther? How well do we do, May, when, uh, when, people, when people are just contrary to us or when they think poorly of us or they, uh, you know, they just talk poorly of us? Are we still willing to be a blessing to them? And all the more when we're having a difficult and hard time. Remember, this is kind of a bad day for Jesus, right? He's going to become the sin, take on the sin of the world. You know, that's not a joke. That's kind of like a big deal. And yet again, we just consistently see him bring order to a disorderly situation. And this ought to be something we practice. Do you bring order to disorder or do you like the flame, fan the flames of disorder? You know, it would appear that sometimes we like to have conflict and we shouldn't. No benefit comes from it. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to love one another. We need to, you know, give preference to one another. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He touches the man's ear and heals him. And as I already said, as sure as he healed him, he could have destroyed everyone else. But... He had to submit to this for you and for me. You notice Jesus said he's not leading a rebellion. As Christians, we're not, we're not leading a rebellion. That's not what we do. We are going to speak the truth. We are going to stand for Jesus Christ as the only way, the only truth, the only life. We are going to stand for the word of God when Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. We're going to stand on the truth that the Bible is the word of God, the living word of God, and Jesus is the son of God. Really nothing else matters. We will stand for the truth, but we're not leading a rebellion. That's not what we do as Christians. We're just standing on the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And the Bible is the living word of God, and that in Jesus God the Father is our Heavenly Father. Jesus is our Lord and Savior and Master and King. And the Holy Spirit is our guide and our comforter. 
And uh, we want to spend our lives, you know, walking in unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we're not leading a rebellion. And that's not what we do. Okay, we're going to stand for the truth. Every day I was with you in the temple courts. You know, they didn't, uh, they didn't lay a hand on him. They tried to continually contradict him, but they couldn't, they couldn't stand up against anything he said because he was speaking the word of God. And finally, Jesus says, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. Darkness has its hour. Some of us have had very dark hours in our lives, but this is, this is a completely unjust darkness where darkness reigns, where darkness ruled. And, and, and again, keep in mind that he submitted himself to this. He allowed this. He did not have to allow darkness to reign. He could have destroyed everyone and anything at any time. As, as easily as he healed that man's ear, he could have destroyed everyone's head right off their body. He could have called a legion of angels at any time. A thousand angels he could have called at any time that would have just laid waste an entire earthly army with no casualties. But in order for you and I to be forgiven, in order for our sins to be forgiven, in order for us to be able to come into relationship with God the Father as our Heavenly Father, Jesus allows darkness to reign. And it's darkness. It's evil. Because Jesus is perfect. Jesus is sinless. And yet all of this injustice was part of what he went through for you and for me. So I'll ask anyone listening to this, do you know Jesus? Have you truly received Jesus into your heart as your only Lord and Savior? Have you prayed and said, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. I place all my trust and confidence and hope in you alone, Jesus, to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. If you haven't, then stop right now and pray and ask Jesus into your heart. Just pray that prayer I just prayed. If you do and you mean it, all of your sins will be forgiven. God the Father will become your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ will be your Lord and Savior and friend and King. And the Holy Spirit, as I've said, will be your guide and your comforter. This is what Jesus went through and chose to go through of his own will. You remember it said that, that he didn't want to do it, but then he submitted his will to the Father's will. And he chose to do this for you and for me. And for those of us that, that, uh, that do know Jesus and are walking with Jesus, when we just see all that he went through for us, how can we but want to live for him more earnestly and devoutly? How could we but not just love him more and want to spend more time with him and want to devote our lives to him? Kayla. Father, we do thank you for your word. 
We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And Lord Jesus, we just, we just thank you for all that you have done for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you went through all of this because you loved us so much, Lord. Lord, we ask you to forgive us when we, when we take this for granted. Forgive us, Lord, when, uh, when we don't make you a priority. Forgive us, Lord, when we think more about our own lives than, than about you and all that you are to us. Lord Jesus, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. We thank you for conquering sin. We thank you for going through all of this for us. We thank you that you are alive and risen and we praise you and worship you and we love you. Father, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, we just give you praise and honor and glory. And we thank you for this time and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.